We're continuing our reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, taking up where we left off only recently, which would have been Sunday. And tonight's verse begins at 57 in the Adi Lila, chapter 1. For those who are keeping score at home. Chintaminir jayati somagir gurorme shiksha gurushcha bhagavan shiki pinchamali yutpada kalpaturu pallava shikareshu lila swayambara rasam labhate Jaya Shri. All glories to Chintamani and my initiating spiritual master, Somagiri. All glories to my instructing spiritual master, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who wears peacock feathers in his crown under the shade of his lotus feet, which are like desire trees. Jaya Shri Radharani enjoys the transcendental mellow of an eternal consort. Srila Prabhupada's purport. This verse is from the Krishna Karnamrata, which was written by a great Vaishnava sannyasi named Bilva Mangal Thakur, who is also known as Lila Shuka. He intensely desired to enter into the eternal pastimes of the Lord, and he lived at Vrindavan for 700 years in the vicinity of Brahmakund, a still existing bathing tank in Vrindavan. The history of Bilva Nambangal Thakur is given in a book called Sri Balava Digvijay. He appeared in the 8th century of the Shaka era in the province of Dravida and was the chief disciple of Vishnu Swami. In a list of temples and monasteries kept in Shankaracharya's monastery in Dwarka, Bilva Mangal is mentioned as the founder of the Dwarkadish temple there. He entrusted the service of his deity to Hari Brahmachari, a disciple of Balabhapata. Bilvamongal Thakur actually entered into the transcendental pastimes of Lord Krishna. He has recorded his transcendental experiences and appreciation in the book known as Krishna Karnamrita. In the beginning of that book, he has offered his obeisances to his different gurus. It is to be noted that he has adored them all equally. The first spiritual master is mentioned. The first spiritual master mentioned is Chintamani, who was one of his instructing spiritual masters because she first showed him the spiritual path. Chintamani was a prostitute with whom Bilva Mangal was intimate earlier in his life. She gave him the inspiration to begin on the path of devotional service. And because she convinced him to give up material existence to try for perfection by loving Krishna, he has his he has first offered his respects to her. Next, he offers his respects to his initiating spiritual master, Somagiri, and then to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is also his instructing spiritual master. He explicitly mentions Bhagavan, who has peacock feathers on his crown, because the Lord of Vrindavan, Krishna the coward boy, used to come to Bilva Manko to talk with him and supply him with milk. In his adoration of Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, he states that Jayashri, the goddess of fortune, Srimati Radharani, takes shelter in the shade of his lotus feet 
to enjoy the transcendental rasa of nuptial love. The complete treatise, Krishna Karnamrita, is dedicated to the transcendental pastimes of Sri Krishna and Srimati Radharani. It is a book to be read and understood by the most elevated devotees of Sri Krishna. Text 58. Jive Sakshat Nahi Tate Guru Chaitya Rupe Shikha Guru Hoy Krishna Mahanta Swarupe. Since one cannot visually experience the presence of the super soul, he appears before us as a liberated devotee. Such a spiritual master is none other than Krishna himself. Purport, it is not possible for a conditioned soul to directly meet Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But if one becomes a sincere devotee and seriously engages in devotional service, Lord Krishna sends an instructing spiritual master to show him favor and invoke his dormant propensity for serving the Supreme. The preceptor appears before the external senses of the fortunate conditioned soul. And at the same time, the devotee is guided from within by the Chaitya Guru, Krishna, who is seated as the spiritual master within the heart of the living entity. Text 59. Tato dusangam utsridya satsu sajjeta buddhiman santa ivasya chindanti mano vyasangam uktibi. One should therefore avoid bad company and associate only with devotees. With their realized instructions, such saints can cut the knot, connecting one with activities unfavorable to devotional service. Purport. This verse, which appears in Srimad Bhagavatam 11.26.26, was spoken by Lord Krishna to Uddhava in the text known as Uddhava Gita. The discussion relates to the story of Pururava and the heavily courtesan Urvashi. When Urvashi left Pururava, he was deeply affected by the separation and had to learn to overcome his grief. It is indicated that to learn the transcendental science, it is imperative that one avoid the company of undesirable persons and always seek the company of saints and sages who are able to impart lessons of transcendental knowledge. The potent words of such realized souls penetrate the heart thereby eradicating all misgivings accumulated through years of undesirable association. For a near neophyte devotee, there are two kinds of persons whose association is undesirable. One, gross materialists who constantly engage in sense gratification, and two, unbelievers who do not serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but serve their senses and their mental whims in terms of their speculative habits. Intelligent persons seeking transcendental realization should very scrupulously avoid their company. Text 60. Satam prasangan mamavirya sambado bhavanti hritkarnarasayana kata tajjoshanat ashvapavarga vartmani shraddharatir bhaktir anukramashtati The spiritually powerful message of Godhead can be properly discussed only in a society of devotees, and it is greatly pleasing to hear in that association. 
If one hears from devotees, the way of transcendental experience quickly opens, and gradually one attains firm faith that in due course develops into attraction and devotion. Purport. This verse appears in Srimad Bhagavatam 325.25, where Kapiladev refers, excuse me, where Kapiladev replies to the questions of his mother, Devahuti, about the process of devotional service. As one advances in devotional activities, the process becomes progressively clearer and more encouraging. Unless one gets this spiritual encouragement by following the instructions of the spiritual master, it is not possible to make advancement. Therefore, one's development of a taste for executing these instructions is the test of one's spiritual service. Initially, one must develop confidence by hearing the science of devotion from a qualified spiritual master. Then as he associates with devotees and tries to adopt the means instructed by the spiritual master in his own life, his misgivings and other obstacles are vanquished by his execution of devotional service. Strong attachment for the transcendental service of the Lord develops as he continues listening to the messages of Godhead. And if he steadfastly proceeds in this way, he is certainly elevated to the spontaneous love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It's nice that we get um, two purports on a lot of uh, verses because Prabhupada comments on them within the uh, Chaitanya Charamita as well as the Srimad Bhagavatam and um, gives a different uh, shines a different light on them. Okay. Text 61. Ishvara Sarupa Bhakta Tar Adishtar Bhaktira Hridayi Krishnera Satada Bishrama. A pure devotee constantly engaged in the loving service of the Lord is identical with the Lord who is always seated in his heart. Purport. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is one without a second, and therefore he is all powerful. He has inconceivable energies, of which three are principal. The devotee is considered to be one of these energies, never the energetic. The energetic is always the Supreme Lord. The energies are related to him for the purpose of eternal service. A living entity in the conditioned stage can uncover his aptitude for serving the absolute truth by the grace of Krishna and the spiritual master. Then the Lord reveals himself within his heart, and he can know that Krishna is seated in the heart of every pure devotee. Krishna is actually situated in the heart of every living entity, but only a devotee can realize this fact. Text 62. Saints are my heart, and only I am theirs, their hearts. They do not know they do not know anyone but me, and therefore I do not recognize anyone besides them as mine. Purport this verse appears in Srimad Bhagavatam 9468 in connection with a misunderstanding between Durvasamuni and Maharaja Ambarish. As a result of this misunderstanding, Durvasamuni tried to kill the king. When the Sudarshana Chakra 
The celebrated weapon of God had appeared on the scene for the devoted king's protection. When the Sudarshan Chakra attacked Durvasa Muni, he fled in fear of the weapon and sought shelter from all the great demigods in heaven. Not one of them was able to protect him, and therefore Durvasa Muni prayed to Lord Vishnu for forgiveness. Lord Vishnu advised him, however, that if he wanted forgiveness, he had to get it from Maharaj Ambarish, not from him. In this context, Lord Vishnu spoke this verse. The Lord being full and free from problems can wholeheartedly care for his devotees. His concern is how to elevate and protect all, all those who have taken shelter at his feet. The same responsibility is also entrusted to the spiritual master. The bona fide spiritual master's concern is how the devotees who have surrendered to him as a representative of the Lord may make progress in devotional service. The Supreme Personality of God is always mindful of the devotees who fully engage. No, this just right. The Supreme Personality of God is always mindful of the devotees who fully engage in cultivating knowledge of him, having having taken shelter at his lotus feet. That's such an inspiring purport. I'll just have to read the last part again. In fact, I can read the whole thing again, don't mind, but this verse from appears from I mean the verse itself is um if you go back up to the verse in the Sanskrit. Extremely famous verse. Sadhavo Mayam, so Sadhava the saints, Priyam Mayam, they're my heart, Krishna says. Sadhunam Priyam Tvaham. And uh, they are, and the, the opposite is true, Krishna's always in their hearts. Jananti, they don't know anybody but Krishna. And Naham Tebyo Manangapi, I don't know anybody else. Uh, besides them. Purport. This verse appears in Srimad Bhagavatam connection with a misunderstanding between Durvasamuni and Maharajamparish. As a result of this misunderstanding, Durvasamuni tried to kill the king when the Sudarshan Chakra, the celebrated weapon of God, had appeared on the scene for the devoted king's protection. See, there's misunderstandings all the time in this world. When the Sudarshan Chakra attract, at, attacked, Durvasamuni, he fled in fear of the weapon and sought shelter from all the great demigods in heaven. Not one of them was able to protect him, and therefore Durvasamuni prayed to Lord Vishnu for forgiveness. You know, meanwhile, Ambarish Maharaj um, didn't do anything. He didn't, uh, he didn't become indignant toward uh, Durvasamuni. He didn't try to counter curse him. He just tolerated whatever it was, and Krishna took care of it. It's one of the <clears throat> symptoms of a devotee who doesn't feel like retaliating when he's personally insulted or attacked. Leaves it, uh, leaves that, that alone. The Lord being full and free from problems. Lord Vishnu advised him, however, that if he wanted forgiveness, he had to get it from Maharaj not from him. In this connection, Lord Vishnu spoke this verse. The Lord being full and free from problems can wholeheartedly care for his devotees. 
His concern is how to elevate and protect all those who have taken shelter of his lotus feet. The same responsibility is also entrusted to the spiritual master. The bona fide spiritual master's concern is how the devotees who have surrendered to him as a representative of the Lord may make progress in devotional service. The Supreme Personality of God is always mindful of the devotees who fully engage in cultivating knowledge of him, having taken shelter at his lotus feet. 63. Saints of your caliber are themselves places of pilgrimage. Because of their purity, they are constant companions of the Lord, and therefore they can purify even the places of pilgrimage. This verse was spoken by Maharaj Yudhishthira to Vidura in Srimad Bhagavatam 113.10. Maharaj Yudhishthira was receiving his saintly uncle Vidura, who had been visiting sacred places of pilgrimage. Maharaj Yudhishthira told Vidura that pure devotees like him are personified holy places because the Supreme Personality of Godhead is always with them in their hearts. By his association, sinful persons are freed from sinful reactions, and therefore, wherever a pure devotee goes is a sacred place of pilgrimage. The importance of holy places is due to the presence there of such pure devotees. And we have uh, from Namrata. Thank you for joining. She says on Facebook, this is so nice. As one advances in devotional activities, the process becomes progressively clear and more encouraging. Unless one gets this spiritual encouragement by following the instructions of the spiritual master, it is not possible to make advancement. Yeah. Nothing is, uh, nothing succeeds like success. <laughs> nothing is, is so encouraging as a success as well. And success comes from being vigilant, uh, and following the process of devotional service according to the way it's taught. Um, Niyamagraha means being careful not to neglect the principles that are given by the Shastra and the spiritual master. And also, don't do them just for the sake of getting them done. Find the inspiration within. Get the encouragement from them. Uh, we can do that by giving our heart and soul Sincere, a sincere try, even if one feels inept, will have a, a, posit, a powerful effect. It means we have to give our, uh, our attention somehow or other. And by doing that, we can get some inspiration from the Lord himself, who notices that we're <clears throat> endeavoring. And if we give ourselves in that way, Krishna reciprocates, and um, then the advancement is genuine. One's feeling real spiritual upliftment, and he or she knows it by dint of the ways in which he or she can control the senses miraculously, and also because of an increasing att uh, attachment to things devotional. So, for instance, feeling an attachment for the Holy Dham, feeling an attachment for the Srimad Bhagavatam, thinking that all other things are stale and dry, I'm not interested in them. 
and uh, a love for the Bhagavad Gita, an eagerness to chant Hare Krishna each day and to keep the holy names going, to associate with devotees, to see the deity. And Krishna uh, gives more and more inspiration from within the heart. Now let's just see if there's any more um, questions to expand the conversation. There's something in the chat box here. It says, oh, from Dennis and Karina. When it is stated that such books should be read by the highest qualified devotees, what does this exactly mean? At which point is one ready to read them? Well, one point would be when you've assimilated all of the books that uh, Prabhupada left behind for us. Because as you'll probably notice, it takes some time to assimilate what he's already given us. And I always feel that if you give it a good try, you'll notice how deep Prabhupada's books are. Oftentimes we can overlook Prabhupada's books and go and look at all kinds of other books. And uh, of course, you know, there's plenty of other great books and important books too in the Vaishnava canon. But first assimilate what you have. That was Prabhupada's instruction. And for instance, if you try just to assimilate what's in the Bhagavad Gita, it may take you years and years and years what to speak of the Bhagavatam. Now, if you start talking about the Chaitanya Charitamrita, I mean, these are uh, lifetime achievements. If you can actually have the interest in these books, number one, and number two, that, you know, carve out the time to actually um, go deeply within hearing them. And Oftentimes we find that uh, by doing so, well, one thought I've had is we noticed how much time and, and energy Prabhupada put into uh, writing these books. You know that he got up at midnight every day to write. And he was always, wherever he traveled, setting up to continue his, his work. He never stopped in translating. And it went on and on and on and on till his last breath. And although one may not be able to write such books and give such energy to writing uh, that, that many Vaishnava literatures in the way that Prabhupada did, at least we can try to read them with the same alacrity that he wrote. <laughs> try to match up your time and energy in, in reading Prabhupada's books and studying them that he took to write them. I'm doubtful, you know, that, that one could get to that point because who could do what Prabhupada did, but at least try for that. And in the process of trying that over decades, one will um, start to notice that uh, one has some um, attraction for understanding some other uh, points that Prabhupada brings up in, in the various parts of his books and under uh, if if one has association with advanced devotees who are also reading those books and they're presented in an authorized way that is um, um, <clears throat> where there's no no mistakes uh, mistranslations etc then we may enter into these other things hope that helps and um, Bamshuli Prabhu says, therefore, one's development of a taste for executing these instructions 
is the test of one's devotional service. Therefore, one's development of a taste for excellent. Yes, uh, this is a point Jiva Goswami makes. You can understand how advanced that uh, you are becoming by how much taste you have for hearing and chanting. Are there any other uh, questions from the Zoom room? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. So uh, the Sadhava Hridayam verse that you um, read uh, really touched my heart. It really showed how uh, Krishna cares for his devotees and more uh, importantly, uh, your spiritual master cares uh, for um, the people under him. But how is it that uh, we we get the taste to give it to others also because sometimes we become selfish and get covered by that we get but we don't feel like giving it with the same enthusiasm so how do we how do we get that uh, real taste of giving back well it can it it really helps if you get around those who are giving it out because you'll yeah. notice that they're getting some kind of intoxication from it and they can't give it up the distribution because it's in the internal energy and when you see other people getting a taste that you might not be getting and other kinds of benefits then it becomes more compelling so good association is very very important and notice that uh in any community where the devotees there's a group of devotees who are particularly interested in giving out krishna consciousness to others are congregating that uh, they bring a special energy into the temple. I like to describe this as breathing. An organization, a, a community has to breathe. And the oxygen that we take in is that experience you get out, you get when you go out to give other people Krishna consciousness. And it comes in a couple of ways. One way is when you see the natural enthusiasm some people have for Krishna consciousness, and it may be more than yours. And they may be ignorant of the process of Krishna consciousness, but when they see it for the first time, you'll be reminded of the pleasure of seeing Krishna consciousness for the first time. I'm just going to turn off my uh, Skype because somebody's Skyping me. Sorry. And the other way is, uh, the other aspect of it is in distributing, or at least one other aspect, is that oftentimes people are are um, summarily uninterested in Krishna consciousness for no good reason. They uh, immediately reject it out of hand without even knowing what it is. And I always get inspired by that too, thinking that, oh, that's what ignorance looks like. I'm just going to ignore anything that looks like God, you know, and not take it. And then I recognize it in myself also that, yeah, that's how I've been. And, and I notice that I don't like that. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like those who are attracted to it. So there's a kind of education that one gets from within and from without by going out to distribute Krishna consciousness to others. But to speak of the way in which that you get hungry by teaching it to others, because people will ask questions that you may not be able to answer. And then you have a good excuse for going deeper into the philosophy. And there's nothing like eating when you're hungry. I mean, that's the best, isn't it? Yeah. If you eat when it's time to eat, you know, that's okay. But when you're starving hungry and then there's a, a, a fantastic meal, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything better than that. 
So in the same way, when we're hungry to know more about Krishna consciousness, then we hear we're practically leaning in so hard, we're almost falling out of our chair. That is the uh, point at which we're really um, taking in a lot more. And so teaching it to others develops that appetite. There's a lot of good reasons. That's why we like to describe this book distribution and uh, outreach as, as high sadhana, because you learn so much and you, you naturally grow when you're out there. I just remember, and I probably said this before, once when I went, I was in Brooklyn, and we were going down the street for a Harinam, and we just had this raging Harinam going on. And it was uh, coming down, we were coming down the street, and there were a group of workers outside their shop, and we went right near them, and they could hear it. And there were all kinds of other people that were going to pieces when they saw us, because the, the sound of the mantra was so powerful, and the devotees were so ecstatic. And people would just start smiling, dancing, waving. And these other guys, they were loading some boxes. And we went so close to them, they could feel the vibration on the backs of their necks. But they didn't turn to look. And they purposefully, uh, you know, became dull. So they, they wouldn't take in the vibration. And I just had this realization going past them that this is the nature of the material world. God's right there in the form of his name. But I'm not going to turn and look because living entities know there he is, but I'm not going to look. And it's these kinds of uh, flashes of insight come when one goes on Harinam or goes out to distribute books and they're irreplaceable. You, 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 don't, you can't get everything that you need in Krishna consciousness unless you go out to distribute it. You can't get everything you need. It's you have to do. You have to hear and chant, and you have to give it out to other people, and then you get the perfect food. The rice and dal together makes the superfood. Okay, there's more that came in here. There's uh, from Shrivata, um, and Shamalangi asked if we could be unmuted. <laughs> okay, Sh uh, Shrivata said, "I have a question regarding text 62 in the purport of that verse." Prabhupada says that the supreme personality of God is always mindful of the devotees who fully engage in cultivation of knowledge of him, cultivating knowledge of him, having given shelter at his lotus feet. What does it mean to fully engage in cultivating knowledge of him? Does it mean that everything the devotee does is geared towards self-realization? Because personally speaking, I have a bad habit of wasting time, and during those times, I'm not cultivating knowledge of Krishna. However, I feel like Krishna is going to take care of me. I am very confused. How do I prove to Krishna that I am worth his mercy? But well, think... fully engage in cultivating knowledge of him. It means to, um, to put your heart and soul into the process. Uh, try to try to hear everything you can and study all the Prabhupada's books. Um, does it mean that everything a devotee does is geared toward self-realization? Yes. Yet sat sarvata sarvada. Sarvatra sarvada. We heard last time when uh, when Krishna spoke these verses, he said, yes, both directly and indirectly try to understand me. In all times, in all places, in all circumstances. I mean, why not? 
Everything else is a big bore. It's already been done a million times and more, and nobody gets anything out of it. It's the material world, Prabhupada calls it a colossal hoax. It's actually really stupid. And, you know, trying to suck something out of dry material energy is, is ridiculous. It's like that there's a little bird that comes to the window, sees its reflection, and gets all upset or excited that there's some other bird there and then starts smashing its head against the window. And that's how ridiculous material life is. And then uh, Sri Vatsa said, does it mean everything? Yes. Because personally speaking, I'm bad habit of wasting time. Well, that's a bad habits can be reversed. It's a matter of a practice. That's what ashramas are for. Practice not wasting time and see how it feels. And you know, once once you you get a sense for for how valuable time is and how nectarian it is, and also how consequential every diversion of attention is away from the process of Krishna consciousness, then you start to have your own impetus to not waste time because there's a result you get from everything and it's up to you what kind of result you want to get as as a human being however krishna is going to take care of me he's already taken care of you otherwise he wouldn't have dropped you into isv as a little baby i am confused how do i prove to krishna he's worth it well um anyway you just keep going that's all <laughs> keep doing what you're doing you're doing a great job Somebody else was going to uh, say something while I was reading that, but I uh, kept going. Was there another point you wanted to make from the Zoom room? Okay. Now we have Shraddha Devi Dasi says, thanks for the great class. I have a question. We see that Bilhamongkul Thakur Prabhu has many spiritual masters starting from Shintamani, uh, the Mark Pradakshika Guru and his Diksha Guru Samagiri. Did the Pandavas also have a Diksha Guru? We usually hear that here of Dronacharya and Kripacharya, but I think they were Shiksha Gurus. Uh, kindly clarify. Um, I don't. I don't know that history intimately enough to say what who their Diksha Guru was. Uh, Shamalangi says um, Bilvamangal Thakur was born in the eighth century of the Shaka era. What is this time frame? Somebody look it up. If this is uh, Kali Yuga, how did he live for 700 years? Also, he stayed in Vrindavan and Babu found that the Krishna Karma Ramrita in South India. Did, did, did Bilva Mangal Thakur travel there? Well, you know, he was he was a great, um, great devotee and mystic and um, things like that are possible living for many, many years. Uh, also, he stayed in Vrindavan, and uh, Mahaprabhu found the Krishna Karnamrita in South India. Did, did, did Bilvamangal Thakur travel there? There means? So I, I meant that, you know, how did he, like, he stayed in Vrindavan, but the book was found in South India. I was trying to connect how did the book go there. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, poke around and give you more of a complete answer on that. But, it, you know, he's from South India. He spent time in South India and later on in life. I mean, he had 700 years. That gives you a little leeway there, you know. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Harry Bull, I just wanted to point out that the Shaka era is almost the same as ours. It's 78 AD. Okay. So Thank you. Most historical dates in Jaitanya Charitamrita are on Shaka era. So you just have to add, subtract 78 or add, 
add 78, sorry, and then you get our date. Is that right? Add Thank 78 you. and get our subtract date. Subtract 78, subtract 78. Subtract 78 and that brings us, and that gives us the, the date through the calendar we go by. Right. Okay. Wait, I, I have to double check the math. And okay, it's, all right. It's, they're only 78 years different. 78 yeah. years. Yeah, the okay. math is right, Rupa Manjuri. Your math is right. It's correct. As, you, as usual. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, and, and as uh, she echoes here, or or I was echoing her before I saw her thing, he was from South India, Dravida, but he went to Vrindavan. And Manjula Kanta, an advanced devotee, sees Krishna in everyone and everything, but at the same time, we need to maintain the discretion not to go near a lion to avoid angry people. A lion and to avoid angry people. Could you remind me, Maharaj, about the way we do both? How to avoid a lion? No, you, you explained to us that, you know, Pandita um, Samadarshina, but at the same time, there is a natural tendency. We don't just go near a lion or go and put ourselves in danger. But then again, you say that an advanced devotee sees Krishna and everyone. And I remember you had explained, but I can't remember the context of why both is valid. You know, you see Krishna and everyone, but that doesn't mean you go and, you know, walk up to everybody thinking Krishna is inside them. You know, it's just, there yeah. Was yeah, well, it's... Um... It's true that Krishna's in everyone's heart. And as Prabhupada mentioned in his purport there, when somebody's advanced, well, even when, when somebody's in the mode of sattvagun, they start to see that there's living entities inside there, even in the spider or in the ant or, you know, in a, in a flower or something like that. A person who's in sattvagun can notice this and uh, be aware of the fact that there's life everywhere. And a, a devotee who has more realization understands how they are part and parcel of Krishna and that Krishna is also present within the heart. And as far as moving about the world and doing both duties at the same time, I think, as I've said before, we have two levels that we have to operate on in this world. As Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about in the Jaiva Dharma, he says there's the Paramartika, and the Vyavaharika. Vyavaharika means ordinary dealings. And there's a way in which uh, it just, in order to survive and move around in the world, you have to uh, do, you have to act towards people according to what they're expecting uh, because they don't have the frame of reference that you do. For instance, if you go for a job interview and they ask you where you're from, you don't say, you know, I'm from Vaikuntha because you won't get the job. At the same time, we have to keep in mind what the ultimate uh, goal is as we're interacting with people. Even in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, don't disturb the minds of the ignorant because they, um, they won't be able to understand your perspective. He says, just try to engage them at their level so they can gradually make advancement. Then, of course, he goes on to say, but then the devotees, you know, they don't exactly follow that because Krishna's saying, don't disturb yourself or them because they won't understand it. But the devotee takes a risk, Prabhupada says, in order to disturb them so they can take to Krishna consciousness. So that's, um, that has to be administered carefully, obviously, because um, people have certain sensibilities and their customs in society, but devotees go out of their way to distribute it to others and to, to help people who are in the bodily con condition of life.
but we have to we have to be thoughtful about it at the same time even in our presentation of krishna consciousness there are ways that you have to be thoughtful otherwise uh, you won't be as effective when you present what is my realization maharaj with this idea that krishna is in everyone i keep thinking about it but i don't understand what what do i realize from that if I well can... if you're walking around like when i walk around my yard i try not to step on any living entities because you know they're just like me they're not they're no different you know if you if you actually watch how living entities interact and stuff they're really smart they're living entities how big is that brain of an ant i mean i don't even know if they have brains you know but if you look at an ant he'll look at you he'll go around your hand and he doesn't want to be killed he wants to go home and do his work and um you know, bees, a hummingbird, there's a hummingbird in my yard, there's several of them. And they're, they're, uh, you know, last night, I was doing some evening japa, the sun was going down, I was sitting back there, and I was walking around in the garden chanting. And then this hummingbird came down and looked me right in the eye, because they're very territorial. He came around, he, go, he was still, what are you doing in my yard? <laughs> and at, my first thing was like, what are you doing in my yard? And I think it's as much his yard as his mine. You know, as much as he's thinking this is my house, my garden, you know, I'm thinking the same way. So Krishna says in the Gita, Atmal Pam Yena Sarvatra Samam Pashiti Arjuna, Sukam Vayari Vadukam, Sayogi Paramomata, that the perfect yogi or the highest yogi is one who notices these commonalities. He said, I've suffered in the material world, therefore I, I can appreciate what other people are going through. This is one of the reasons that Krishna, and we just heard these verses about how Krishna manifests as, as a, as a person, or, you know, like a human being, and he, it's a, it's a manifestation of Krishna. Is one of his shaktis, because there is a way in which people who have suffered in the material world already and have become devotees, they can appreciate the suffering of others. Krishna, on the other hand, is, um, you know, full of joy. <laughs> How is the, the sun going to appreciate sunlight? It's the source of sun. And, you know, how would Krishna know that much about suffering? Although he has uh, Mahavishnu, sees the suffering, knows sufferings there in the material world. The devotee is somebody who's realized it actually has assimilated it and knows what it feels like. That's what that verse means. He knows how people are going through these ups and downs and therefore feels compassion. Compassion comes when the heart melts and you think, God, oh, what should other persons suffer? It's horrible. And see that actually these are all devotees of Krishna. That's an enchanted life. If to have that kind of compassion for other living beings and to see them everywhere as Krishna's parts and parcels. Otherwise, um, what a dull life it is. Yeah, and when we deal with all kinds of other uh, personalities, we're seeing at the same time, this person may be a, a mother, father, child, but we, sh we could also have the, the vision that, uh, that um, is part and parcel of Krishna. Okay. Hare Krishna. Um, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Oh, Hare Krishna. So Prabhuji, one, one discussion came about the Vilvam Mangalam Swami. Uh, 
you are right prabhu ji is from the south india the dravida desha actually he is the one who has found batpanabha uh, swami uh, temple in uh, trivandrum kerala hmm so actually uh, uh, it is said that his invisible presence is still there in the temple uh, yeah so he is a very famous uh, swami from south india especially on the kerala side yeah there it is and there he is in the chaitanya charnamrita so there's this really nice relationship we find between the gaudias and the dravidas even in the chaitanya mahaprabhu's leela vyankatapata uh mahaprabhu stays at his home and they talk about the philosophy of krishna consciousness for many months and uh, gopal bhatta comes from from the south south indian brahman and joins chaitanya mahaprabhu and so forth so thank you Hare Krishna. Okay, from uh, Venu Gita says, um, there are so many great books that Prabhupada has given us, and even though I try to read it every day, Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Nectar Devotion, Harinam Chintamani, but always have the feeling that it's not enough, and I'm always every day not satisfied. How to deal with this feeling of dissatisfaction? Well, join the club. It's, uh, you know, devotee always feels, there's simultaneous, we should feel satisfaction because when we're touching that energy, we'll feel satisfied and we'll notice it. You know, Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Priyojita Janaya Yashuvaira Gyam Gyanam Chayara Haitukam. We'll realize as we're chanting and as we're hearing about Krishna that the, there's supernatural power in this and we'll feel satisfied but we should also feel dissatisfied this is what i'm saying when we have a good hearing and chanting session you come away with more questions than answers because then you're hungry and and it's hard to have good questions sometimes you know in an assembly people are falling asleep and you say any questions and people say, yeah when are you going to stop talking so we can go to sleep or when's prasadam that's my question those are not very deep questions, but if you're if you're hearing and chanting and you actually get intrigued by the by the uh, topics, and then you start to want well, why did Krishna say this and why did the devotee do that? And then you're loaded up with these questions. You actually want to know, and then when you meet somebody who can answer them, then it becomes productive, because. Really, when there's somebody who can speak about Krishna and then you don't have any questions, you didn't really, you didn't get everything you could have. So the more dissatisfied you are in the sense that I want to know more and I wish I could do more, the, the better off you are. Okay, and Rupa Manjari had to go. Well, we're going to miss you, that's for sure. Thank you. What about pests in your house? Pests in your house are your uh, guests. You should be very careful about pests in your house. Try to find ways in order to um, accommodate them elsewhere. And, um, you know, try to take care of them in the best way that you can. Thank you. All right. Ann Murphy, do you recommend the Sundarbas? Absolutely. I mean, the Sandarbhas are the foundational literatures for the um, for Krishna consciousness, and so far, the the ones that uh, I would highly recommend reading are the ones that Gopi Puranadana uh, produced. So we have Tattva Sandarbha, 
It looks like this. Tuck the sundarbo. It is somewhere. Oh, yeah, right here. Tattva Sandarbha. And um, there's also now coming out the uh, Bhagavat Sandarbha, but good luck on that one. <laughs> Several editors stopped because it's so uh, tightly packed. It's a very, very philosophical book, very difficult, but you can try. And um, there'll, there'll be more uh, production of the Sandarbhas coming out. But if you can digest this book, this is the first one to go into in the Sandarbhas, really, is the uh, Tattva, because this is about epistemology and the basic foundational systems of knowledge in Gaudiya Vaishnavism that are established by Jiva Goswami. I've read this about four times, and you know I haven't come to the end of it. I haven't uh, assimilated this book. So again, there's a lot of books you can get, but get the ones that were... Uh, properly translated by translators you trust that are in the same mood and uh, following the same sampradaya and also that were edited properly means that uh, the, the, the team of editors are well trained and that they were, um, they know the standard, the BBT standards, the highest standard of editing. And so, you know, you're getting, you're not getting any misinformation because that's a problem. If you just go buy books off the shelf, even if they're from an author you've heard of before, they're not necessarily edited properly and things like that. Like very soon, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu will be coming out. And um, that book, I mean, it's taken several years to get it rendered into perfect condition. Banuswami, who's one of the best editors on the planet, uh, one of the best translators on the planet, then put it through the editing process so it could come out in mass distribution from the BBT. And that's uh, probably come out um, a little bit later this year, I hope, unless the pandemic really slows it down. Oh, I have a question. Huh? I, yes, I, I have a question. Yes. Oh, I was just thinking about one of the Mataji's asked the question about pests in the house. So, um, I mean, recently we had a little, uh, I, I would usually chant in my little garden and uh, there was a sparrow that used to come and sit down and I was like, wow, you know, amazed that oh, the sparrow is really liking to chant and things like that. Then later I realized that the sparrow had uh, put in some eggs in one of the pots and um, the eggs actually hatched on the Ekadashi and every day we sit and chant for the little, three little birds that have, they're already born and they're very tiny. But the thing is, it's so easy for me to think because they don't disturb me inside my house. So in the, it's in the garden and we take care of it as, and then I think, the, oh, this is Jagannath's house. They also should take care. They also should be there. They should also have enough uh, in a space because I'm also here for Jagannath has provided me. He should provide. But when it comes to spiders inside the house, I can't think like that. When I start clicking on the cobwebs or cleaning, I know that I don't know if I'm killing those spiders or I'm taking their house out, right? The web is their house. What do we do? We have to clean Jagannath's temple. But again, we have, we cannot uh, do Just anything. Be as careful as you can. Spiders are our friends. They're, uh, you know, it's in part, they're part of the ecosystem. And most of them are not dangerous. There's black widows. They have an hourglass, orange hourglass on them. They're a little dangerous. 
So if, 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 you know, if there's a venomous snake or a, a spider that'll kill your kid, you know, then, then you can do something about it, according to the Bhagavatam. But ordinary creatures, you should be really careful. And uh, of course, we don't wear masks and, and uh, you know, sweep everywhere we go when we walk around. Just Orthodox Jains do that. But um, that's why it says in the Vedas, every day we have to do yagya because uh, we're naturally killing living entities just by living. Jivo jiva sujivanam, one living being is food for another. And by fire, when you light your fire, you kill. By drinking water, you kill living entities. By walking around, you kill. These are called the, there's the five slaughterhouses of, your, of the grahasta ashram. <laughs> when you grind spices, you're killing living entities. And so, you know, it's inevitable. So, but we should be as nonviolent as possible. And, you know, these little creatures, they, they have their own, um, they have their own families and they're getting their quota from Krishna. Maybe sometimes part of their quota is a little sip of your blood or something like that, but we should be really careful of them like mosquitoes are dead. The most deadly, uh, um, entity on the planet. So, you know, you just have to be really careful. And if there's something really deadly, then, then you have to deal with it because you have to protect yourself. But other than that, you know, going on a rampage and, you know, just killing bugs because they're around and they shouldn't be in your house and stuff like that. It's better to take a gentle approach. Spiders you can catch in a, like in a jar with a, a, a little piece of paper. You slide it under and you can take them out and give them, a, a, you know, just a relocation program. I mean, nothing gets me more disturbed than when I put out seedlings and then snails or slugs come and eat them. But I don't, you know, you want to take those and um, relocate them somewhere else, maybe in your neighbor's yard. Free buffet. <laughs> All you can eat over here, you know. <laughs> okay, let's see if thank there's you, some Prabhu. other questions. Huh? Thank you, Prabhu. Yeah, just be careful. There's cameras out there now. Um, I like your point mentioned about the hummingbird, Taratari. When my daughter was in college, her roommate wanted to kill a bug in the house. She used to say the house first, they were in the house before us. We invaded it. Let me take it out. Yeah, probably was like that too. He was very careful. And how about mouse and mosquitoes? Mice can be discouraged if you um, don't keep food around. And mosquitoes uh, can be discouraged by different kinds of scents and uh, just be careful. Okay. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Yes, Hare Krishna. I really like the point uh, in the beginning uh, with Krishna Das Kaviraj's translation of the 325.25 and uh, just appreciating how oftentimes it's easy to perceive faith as something that's very ethereal and kind of spacey and it's not really concrete. But in that verse, especially in the purport, it's described as something very, very concrete in that you know, you hear from the spiritual master with faith, you try and carry out his order, you try and serve devotees, you associate with devotees who have this kind of faith, and then you'll have spiritual experiences. And then from that, then you'll have faith. And so in a way, it's kind of scientific, because you're actually having some empiric proof, some evidence is coming as a result from you following the process that's laid down. 
And so it, it reminded me of, you know, the science of self-realization. It's not a ethereal thing. It's actually something very uh, substantial and, and empirically verifiable. So I was appreciating that. Yes. And it's a topic that uh, Krishna touches on in the 17th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, when he mentions Shraddha uh, Yo Yam Purushaha, that the living entity is made of faith. That's a... Um, what determines our, 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 our being actually is, is the level of our faith. So yes, it is not wispy or amorphous. It's actually something that is uh, the most substantial. Uh, he says in 17.3, Sadvanu Rupa Sarvasya Shraddha Bhavati Bharata Shraddha Mayo Yam Purusho Yo Yach Shraddha Eva Saha O Sanaparata, according to one's existence under the various modes of nature, one evolves a particular kind of faith. The living being is said to be of a particular faith according to the modes he has acquired. And then Prabhupada goes on to say that beyond um, the modes, we have an eternal uh, characteristic, which is that we have this connection to serving Krishna in a relationship. And that's our... A, our eternal uh, nature, which is uh, gets covered over by different modes, and and we're distracted in different different ways, to other kinds of of so-called worshipable objects, but, but they'll all be disappointing because they don't they don't satisfy us, or uh, they're outside the realm of our real nature, which is to serve Krishna and be be connected to Him. Okay, I'm going to read a couple more verses from the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. She bhakta gan hoi dvi vida prakar parishad gana ek ak sadaka gana ar. Such pure devotees are of two types personal associates, parishads, and neophyte devotees, sadaka. So he's talking about the two kinds of gurus. Perfect servitors of the Lord are considered as personal associates, whereas devotees endeavoring to attain perfection are called neophytes. Among the associates, some are attracted by the opulences of the personality of Godhead, and others are attracted by nuptial love of Godhead. The former devotees are placed in the realm of Vaikuntha to render reverential devotional service, whereas the latter devotees are placed in Vrindavan for the direct service of Krishna. Ishvarera abatar eighteen prakar, Anksha abatar aro, Guna abatar, Shaktyavesh avatar, Tritya emato, Anksha avatar purusha, Matsyadika jata. There are three categories of incarnations of Godhead partial incarnations, qualitative incarnations, and empowered incarnations. The purushas and matsyas, matsya, are examples of partial incarnations. So what's happened here is we just uh, come to a, a pivotal point where Kaviraj Goswami is, that's where he's, he's switching into another topic. But, uh, up till then, up till now, he's been talking about Guru Tattva. So you can see how important that Tattva is. He begins, Vande Guru and Isha Bhaktan, Isha and Isha Vitarakan. So he begins the whole conversation of the, of the, Chaitanya Charitamrita in describing uh, what is the Guru Tattva. 
and he describes how uh, the guru is also uh, an, a manifestation of Krishna. And it's that manifestation that helps us uh, because we can't see Krishna directly yet. So there's a way in which he comes to us in a localized form, in, a, in the form of uh, uh, an apparently ordinary person who's empowered uh, to uh, teach us about Krishna and to give us the mantras and so forth. So this is one of the mysterious tattvas of, of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to understand how it is that Krishna appears in that way. There are many different examples given. One of them is about, if you want to look through a telescope and see the see what's beyond our, our uh, purview, you go to the telescope, you look into the small end. And someone may argue, I'm going to look in the big end but you won't see anything from that side. When you look in the small end that's custom made for your eye, then uh, you, you're able to see beyond. And similarly, the guru seems localized, like this is um, a common thing that uh, people ask about, how is it that a seemingly ordinary person becomes guru? For instance, in Bhagavatam, 7.15.26. The spiritual master should be considered to be directly the Supreme Lord because he gives transcendental knowledge for enlightenment. Consequently, for one who maintains the material conception that the spiritual master is, is an ordinary human being, everything is frustrated. His enlightenment and his Vedic studies and knowledge are like the bathing of an elephant. Purport. It is recommended that one honor the spiritual master as being on an equal status with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sakshad dari This is enjoined in every scripture. Acharya mam one should consider the Acharya to be as good as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In spite of, of all these instructions, if one considers the spiritual master an ordinary human being, one is doomed. His study of the Vedas and his austerities and penances for enlightenment are all useless, like the bathing of an elephant. An elephant bathes in a lake quite thoroughly, but as soon as it comes on the shore, it takes some dust from the ground and strews it over its body. Thus, there is no meaning to the elephant's bath. One may argue by saying that since the spiritual master's relatives and the men of his neighborhood consider him an ordinary human being, what is the fault on the part of the disciple who considers the spiritual master an ordinary human being? This will be answered in the next verse. But the injunction is that the spiritual master should never be considered an ordinary man which is strictly adhere to the instructions of the spiritual master, for if he is pleased, certainly the Supreme Personality of God it is pleased. Yasya prasada, bhagavat prasado, yasya prasada, nagati kutopi. So this is a, a theme we'll hear again and again throughout the Bhagavatam, and we're hearing it now in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that there's a way in which a Krishna... Uh, intersects with us here in the material world as soon as we are 
eager to know about him. So Brahmanda Brahmate Kon Bhagyavanjiv Guru Krishna Prasadi Pai Bhukti Lata Bij Brahmanda Brahmate when we're wandering throughout the universes, but then we come to a point of sincerity, Krishna makes the arrangement how we meet Guru. And as Prabhupada mentioned earlier in this chapter, by taking shiksha, then naturally we become attracted. And there's a way in which our uh, anartas start to fall away. Because by hearing the hearing process, uh, and, he, and this verse was quoted earlier as well, that um, satam prasangam mama viryasambido bhavanti hrit karna rasayanakata tach joshanat ashu apavargavart manishrada ratir bhaktira anukramishiti. Such a nice verse, everything compact here. So it says satam prasangam. If you take this association of uh, advanced devotees in their association, you're going to hear about Krishna. And from that, uh, your anartas will be. Um, uh, eliminated and then you'll be on the path back to Godhead and step by step you'll develop all the stages of love of Godhead through that so um, the Guru Tattva principle is extremely important and the mood of the way in which one respects all of one's gurus is extremely important and that's brought up in this chapter as well okay let's look at this we have um Divyanga Prabhu, that bug is hungry, Prabhupada said, and he told Shruta, pointing at the bug on the floor, he said, that bug is hungry, take him out. Sri Lakshmi, what is your best tip to avoid pride and small victories experienced in devotional service? Just remember all the times that you didn't do it right. That helps to balance it out. And Namrata, what does it mean in terms of action to not consider the spiritual master an ordinary human being? Well, there's a way in which when one is... Uh, it, you know, the Shastra says with the guru, don't, stay at the right distance. Don't get too far away, but don't get too close. And it's compared to a fire. If you get too close to the fire, you can get burned. In other words, too familiar and start thinking, you know, we're just good buddies. Um, but if you get too far away uh, by being uh, overly um, cautious, then you don't get the uh, the benefit of the fire as well. So you have to stay at the right distance. There's a way in which Diksha Guru is kind of like um, a fixed principle for the disciple to um, place his or her mind on, and there should be a sense that um, this is Krishna's representative. Shiksha Guru sometimes is, although we should respect all, all gurus and be very careful, sometimes they're for the sake of ins more. Uh, uh, um, instruction there's a little more contact and a little more sense of vishrambra or our closeness so there's etiquette and the etiquette is followed it's mentioned in the nectar of devotion that when one sees uh, the guru one should always bow down always offer respects be careful to use the etiquette of honorifics otherwise it can just uh, come into a, a point of being um uh, we're all the same we're all together so there's a way that water flows down. So mercy flows down also if we keep ourselves uh, safe through these kinds of etiquettes and the, the mentality also, remembering how Krishna comes to us through the, the guru, then we're um, staying below so we can catch the mercy that's descending. Those are a few thoughts.
I hope it helps. Okay. Any other points that you want to bring up on Guru Tafa? Yes. Sukeshri, she's trying to get off mute. Yes. Is Maharaj, I have a question on the verse where uh, it explains there are two kind of people that we should avoid association. Yes. So if you can elaborate, so the kind of seems similar, but just practically, uh, what does it mean? There are two two kinds. Of, this is verse uh, 59. It says, uh, gross materialists who uh, constantly engage in self-certification and unbelievers who do not serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I mean, practically, uh, we meet many people when we go out on book distribution and we meet them in office. And I might also have some kind of uh, those symptoms in my own behavior, uh, you know, sense gratification and material, gross materialism. So how do we understand this? Uh, Bhagavatam explains it in the seventh canto. You'll find it near the end of the seventh canto where Narada is instructing Yudhishthira and he's talking about the ways in which you should interact with people uh, when it's obligatory. There may be materialistic people, even family members that are materialistic. And so the admonition is that they say, uh, blah, blah, blah. And you say, yes, sir. Very good, sir. Thank you very much. And then you just ignore their instructions. <laughs> you know, we don't entertain them. We don't think, oh, that's a good idea. I should be a, I should be a materialist also. You're just like, yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. Bye. You know, uh, we, we don't take it in. So sometimes you find yourself in situations where, where you have to interact with people. This is the most commonly asked question about this topic, you know, when you have to go to work and you have to work with people, go do your job and be as friendly as, as you need to be, but don't start thinking like they think and hanging out and imitating their activities. You should maintain a little bit of uh, uh, caution when it comes to that. And generally what happens is they start appreciating you a little bit more. And, you know, uh, you don't have to hang out and do what they do. I mean, I've been in all kinds of situations where I, I, you know, I had to be there. I had to participate with it, whether it was for my business or whether it was in school. And I, you know, it ended up people started asking me like, well, how come you did that? And how come you act like this? And it's like, oh, because this is my background. I grew up as a monk. And then they, you know, they want to know more about you than you do about them. So maintain your basic principles and don't uh, take that enjoying spirit in your heart and think, hey, yeah, these guys are okay. It's, it's not okay because you pick up on that really quickly when you associate by opening your heart to them. Maharaj? Yes? Um, I joined a little late, uh, so I, I don't know if somebody covered uh, the story of Ramachandra Puri how he was criticizing his Guru Maharaj and he was giving the instructions to his Guru Maharaj and moments and then he lost the mercy of his Guru after that and even um, you know uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and some of his associates avoided uh, Ramachandra Puri because he developed the habit of criticizing uh, uh, you know initially Guru and then later on the devotees yeah. So criticism of um, you know such a mentality must be avoided uh, 
uh, in devotional service. If somebody covered it, I don't know. I'm just share. Yeah, Ramachandra Puri, when Madhavendra Puri, his spiritual master, was leaving the world, he was feeling intense separation from Krishna. It's very difficult to understand the, the mind of a pure devotee, especially if one's a rascal. So when his spiritual master was leaving the world, there were two disciples that are noted. One of them was Srila Ishvarapuri, who served his uh, guru, Madhavendra Puri, who was performing the pastime of being an invalid. And he would uh, take care of his personal body, even though the, his guru couldn't move around, couldn't clean himself, everything he did for him faithfully and um, with full reverence. And he became the guru of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Ramachandra Puri, on the other side, on the other hand, thought he knew more than his guru. And when his guru was feeling separation from Krishna as he was leaving the world, Ramachandra was, was so impudent that he instructed his own guru and told him, Guru Maharaj, you know, you're crying out like this, but actually you should be meditating on Brahman, the impersonal Brahman right now. And it disturbed the meditation of, of Madhavendra Puri who, who told him, get away from here. If I see your face when I leave this world, I may not attain my destination. He was so disturbed with him. So later on, Ramachandra Puri became infected with uh, anartas in the heart through which he thought it was his duty to criticize all the Vaishnavas. And then that culminated in criticizing Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, following around, finding out what he was doing, couldn't find any fault with Mahaprabhu. So finally, one day when he went to visit him in his room, he saw there were some ants. And he said, aha, you must have been eating sweets. And I've heard that these Vaishnavas eat too much. And I heard that you eat too much. You know, he was directly criticizing. It's interesting to note what Mahaprabhu did as a reaction. For the most part, he just, he reduced his eating. And the devotees became very, very morose because they wanted to feed Mahaprabhu like anything. And he, he, he only, he, he kept reducing the amount of food that he would eat because of the criticism of Ramachandra Puri. All the devotees became very unhappy, but he didn't retaliate against him. And uh, when Ramachandra Puri left town, everyone became relieved. So this is uh, the difference shown in the Chaitanya Charamrita. Someone who's faithful to their guru. Yasya Devi Para Bhaktir Yata Devi Tata Garau When you have this implicit faith in Guru and Krishna, then you can understand the, the imports of the Vedas. Otherwise, you can study uh, all your life and you won't understand anything because it's not on the material platform. Nikunja says, uh, how can we follow in the footsteps of Maharajan Brish of tolerance and at the same time respecting our boundaries of not allowing someone to take advantage of our vulnerability? Well, there's a story about Narada Muni and a snake. So Narada Muni, he makes all kinds of living entities devotees. So one of them was a poisonous snake. And then the snake, everyone in the village found out that the snake became a disciple of Narada and that he was a Vaishnava. So they thought he'll, he'll never bite us. So all the kids were coming over, poking him with throwing stones and harassing. And uh, when his guru Narada came back, the snake 
uh, said, you know, now, Guru Maharaj, that I'm uh, a Vaishnav, everyone's beating on me. They're taking advantage of me. What should I do? And Narda said, you can, you can show your teeth, but don't bite anybody. Anyway, practically speaking, being humble doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you don't have any boundaries. In the story of Maharaj Ambarish, um, Maharaj Ambarish uh, did what he could for his guest, and um, it wasn't good enough. Durvasamuni had a, a, some issue. He was envious of Ambarish Maharaj, so he, he lashed out at him. And uh, Ambarish Maharaj uh, let Krishna take care of it. In, in our dealings with others in the world, um, as we're doing our service, we uh, need some boundaries so that we, we don't have to um, give up our service. And as people should know also that uh, we, we have a backbone. Um, you know, when Prabhupada was challenged in public, for instance, about certain philosophical points, he didn't just concede them, he would become very strong about it and uh, say, no, that's not correct. Because, um, and it's not just for the sake of humility that you don't have boundaries. We have philosophical boundaries. Also, if somebody tries to hurt you, it's not that you just allow them to, or if they try to steal your property, a, a Vaishnav will protect the property because it's property he or she is using for Krishna. Uh, at the same time, as, as we know from all other different uh, Shastric injunctions, we, are, um, we depend on Krishna for the outcome of those things because we can't necessarily protect ourselves. But even the Bhagavatam says you have to protect your life because you're using your body to s serve Krishna. Therefore, it's your duty to try to live for as long as you can because <laughs> you need this body. So it's not outside the realm of, of pure devotional service if you protect your property or your family or the other things that Krishna's entrusted to you. So boundaries are okay, and it's still considered humble. Yes, Sukeshri? I have a question, Prabhu. So yeah. I was just wondering that um, um, Jagannathas Babaji was the Shikshtra guru of uh, Divino Thakur, right, Prabhu? Mm -hmm. So I was wondering that... Um, uh, in, in the parampara, why is it that his Diksha Guru's picture we don't worship and only a Shiksha Guru's? I understand the Shiksha Guru and Diksha Guru are the same, but then uh, from a Diksha Guru, you take initiation. So Shiksha Guru means you can have more than one Shiksha Guru's which you, you take from. But was, there, was there a specific reason that we actually have the Jagannath Prasparapati there? Yeah. Well, all the whole paramparas listed like that. In our parampara, You'll notice the parampara that we read off, Krishna, Brahma, Narada, Vyasa, Madhva, you know, Kshobhya, Jaitirta, Gyanasindhu, Dayanidhi, Vidyanidhi, you're going all the way down. Then the, this a list was given by Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur in his song that he wrote about the parampara. And he specifically mentions the devotees that were most prominent. And it's not that they didn't have diksha. Uh, all of them had Diksha Gurus, but he was emphasizing, especially at the time, there was this overemphasis, and still goes on today, about the Diksha line. So the Diksha line can actually have no Shiksha, uh, and, and actually can become materialistic. So some people, you know, they'll, 
they'll get in a in a family, uh, you know, where somebody initiates, and then they'll claim that they have exclusive rights to do, give diksha, or that because we're in the diksha line from Lord Nityananda, this was the Nityananda Vamsha idea, that uh, it doesn't matter what we do, we're divinely ordained because of that, and so we give diksha, then that's it, and nobody else can do it because only we can do it. But that's not the teaching of the, the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam says that anyone can come become elevated through the Bhagavat Mark by chanting Hare Krishna and they can give Diksha. Um, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that, that you know if you know the science of Krishna, then you can become a spiritual master. So what Srila uh, Bhakti Siddhanta did was list the, the prominent names. There are millions more going spanning out from that. But just like if you go to a science class, they're not going to name every person who ever did a research project that has to do with the subject you're studying. You're going to know about a few people who were luminaries in that uh, subject matter that, that are listed, you know, the giants that are passed down. So what about all the other teachers? They're there. They're all there. But it's, you know, you put the main uh, personalities. And, and, Ultimately, you know, the shiksha is emphasized here because uh, because of this misunderstanding that some people have about diksha. But both things are, are emphasized in Shastra, and Srila Bhakta Siddhanta emphasized both of them also. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay, well, it looks like we've come to the end of our time. And thank you, everybody, for um, joining from various places around the world. And... Um, We'll take it up, uh, the continued reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita coming up on uh, Saturday. And we'll just have a short kirtan. Namaha Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prestaya
Vishnu Pad, Paramhansa Prabhupad, Charja Stotra Shishimad, Vaicharanara, Vaktivinata Saimara, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai Om Vishnu Pad, Paramahamsa Prabhupada, Charja Stotra Shishimad, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai. Anantakoti Vaishnavindi Ki Jai, Namacharya Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai. Prem Zagaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Garad Hara Shri Vasudhi Gaur Bhaktivindaki Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gogobinath Shyamakunda Radhakunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Shri Vrindavan Nam Ki Jai Shri Mayapur Namadip Tam Ki Jai Shri Jagannath Puri Tam Ki Jai Tulsi Devi Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Jamuna Devi Ganga Devi Ki Jai Sambeda Bhaktivindaki Jai all glorious to the sum of devotees. All glorious to the sum of devotees. All glorious to the sum of devotees. Gore Prem and Anne Hari Hari Bo. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Hey, Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman. Natchari Armarman.